Welcome to God is Open. I am your host, Christopher Fisher. Today on God is Open, we are going to air about an hour of an informal debate I had on Google Hangouts on open theism. I was dealing with an irate Calvinist who liked to emote more than he did uh, textual analysis. So enjoy. Yeah, I was going to ask a question, Christopher, real quick. I, I get this straight. Are you an open theist? Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. You don't believe God knows the future? No, uh, the Bible doesn't believe it. Oh, absolutely it does. But um so does God know if he's going to be faithful to his promises? Well, that would be a very speculative category. I would prefer to talk about the Bible. Do you got any uh, thing to talk well, about? What I'm asking you is can God be faithful to his promises? <laughs> Yeah, God is faithful to his promises, and in Isaiah, we know that because he appeals to his character, how well, he's acted no, in the past. Hold on, what I'm asking you is, will he be faithful to his promises? Right, within reason. Uh, sometimes well, he changes his mind. I'm just asking, well, I'm just asking you, you, you hold on, let me finish, me. let me finish, you're interrupting me. I'm asking you if he can make promises that he can keep, because if he doesn't know the future, He's he's making promises he can't keep to people if he doesn't know what's going to happen. Wrong. <laughs> no, absolutely not. Uh, let me just ask you again: Does can God make promises in the future that he can keep? Yep. Well, how does he know that? <laughs> he, he doesn't, doesn't need know to know the that. Future. Uh, he has the power. He's a powerful God, so he could. Well, he's not. Israel. He's not powerful uh, enough to be all no, known. You're going to just interrupt. Do you want to have no, this conversation just... with yourself? Well, I'm trying to understand how God can make promises about. No, people. you just when want a little soundbite. You don't actually want to hear what I say. No, I, I yeah, I actually want to hear an answer. I did. I was answering. I want to hear a biblical answer. Let me talk. Yeah, sure. Go ahead. All right. So God explains to us how we can have faith in Him. In Isaiah 40 through 48, he says, you know that I will rescue you. You know I will be faithful to my promises because look at this history. I have said what I was going to do, and then I did it. I said I would liberate you from Egypt. I did. I said I would put you into Assyrian and Babylonian captivity, and then I did it. You know I am faithful to what I say I'm going to do because of my character, because of what you know about me. And that yeah. is how we know God is faithful. That God no, that's, how, that's how we know, but how does God know? Because if God doesn't know the future, and he's told us there's going to be a place with no more sorrow, suffering, pain, or crying because the former things have passed away. Because he says he's going to do it, just uh, like in Isaiah. Well, hold on, hold on. He says, he can, he says he's going to do it, but how does he know that it's going to actually, how does he know that there's not something outside of his knowledge like Saint, Satan in his scheming, things that he's doing that he doesn't know that's going to overtake him in the end, and he won't be able to be faithful to his promises. Because he's powerful. No one can oppose him. Well, he's not powerful enough to know all things. How, how do you know he's, there's not someone more powerful outside his knowledge? Yeah, like, you're, you're not a Christian. You're not a biblical Christian. You don't well, care yeah, about yeah. the Bible. The These Lord are all platonic categories the beginning that you care about. And from ancient times, things that have not been done, saying my purposes will be established and I will accomplish all my good pleasure. So some from the yeah, very you're quoting Isaiah, the proof text that I just used to show how things God knows the future. Things that have not been done, saying his purposes will be established. He will accomplish all his good pleasure. Yeah, so God is appealing to his ability to accomplish. He's not appealing to knowledge. Knowledge would invalidate Isaiah 40 through 48. 
That, it's, it's not a knowledge claim. It's a power claim. I say I'm going to do it, and then I do it. That's how I know it's going to happen. He's not trying to impress people with his knowledge. Oh, I can no, answer no, the, because it's in my head. You, you can no, say, he's, he's well, trying I'm going to go out and start my car, but, but you could go out there and someone could shoot you before you get to do that. Because you don't know the future. Right, and You're then, God repent, and then God will reverse what he said on. he was going to do. Are you going to interrupt? Are you going to interrupt me? So if God doesn't know the future, the way you're saying it, there's something outside of His knowledge that could come along and and mess up His plans, and He can't keep the promises that He made. It would be dishonest. Yeah, for God if to you make believe that, you don't have to be a Christian. The Bible's not for you. He doesn't know for certainty that how things are ultimately going to take place. So God could say something like, hey, Nineveh, in 40 days, I'm going to overthrow you. And the circumstances change. And because God's not a slave to his word, as he says in Jeremiah 18, he can change and not do what he said he would do. That's a direct quote from the text. Now, well, your I system doesn't explain it because your system is a can do it. System. He knows all things. I thought he was dying. I thought there's a little slight slap, lag on my no, end, I think. Yeah, it's about to finish his thought, though. Go ahead, Chris. What, I think he overstepped it, if you don't mind repeating it. Yeah, so God in the Bible says that he will change his mind when circumstances change. He says, if there's a nation that I say I'm going to do good things for, and that nation becomes evil, I will not do what I said I would do for it. And if there's an evil nation that becomes good, I will not do what I thought I was going to do to it. So we got a God in the Bible that's rational, reasonable. He's not a slave to his word. He's he's so competent and he's rational. I'm sorry, Alex. I overstepped you, sir. No, I, I just couldn't hear you, Irene. You're really far away. <laughs> well, the scripture says, you know, if our heart condemns us, God is greater in our heart and knows all things. You you say that God doesn't know all things. The future would include all things. He knows all things. What Bible are you talking declares about? that he <laughs> there you go again. I mean you're gonna say Man that knows all know things. you but you talk over me. Right. So am I omniscient? I didn't say you're omniscient. Why would I why would I why would that be the because case? Because the Bible says I'm omniscient. You just quoted it. Mm, I think you. I think you misquoted um, Jeremiah eighteen eight. No offense. No. What did I? Which one did I quote? No, not you, um, Christopher. I must have he, he didn't say that. He. No. He, okay. So what? What verse did you quote? Um. Which I mean, which one? Okay, let's be gracious. I mean, there's all kinds. Other with a little bit. Of... Ironic, I think no, you're breaking up. To Chris. breaking up. No, I don't think so. I think you're breaking up, Ironic. All right, so I posted it there. Okay, so you're quoting God, one God John three twenty. Well, I can quote a lot of verses. I mean, who is like me? Let him perform. Right. I hear you. What's your Yes, let it, hold on. Now you're in a I don't know if there's a lag or just talking over. Let him. Right. Repeat. I was in the middle of talking about your verse, and then you didn't yeah, want to talk about your verse I've given, anymore. I've given you a few verses, so I don't know. I mean, I can keep giving you more. I don't know which one you're talking about. I just posted it. First John 3.20. Right. 
if our heart condemns us, God is greater in our heart and knows all things. Yeah, yeah. that's funny. Um, am I omniscient? No. What does know all things mean? If God is, if our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart and knows all things. Yeah. So what does knows all things? It doesn't say our heart knows all things. It says God knows. I understand all that. So what does knows all things mean? All things. All. Yes. Yeah. So that's all future, including all future events. Fantastic. So let's go turn back one chapter. Go to instead of First John three twenty. Now we're at First John two twenty. But you have a holy anointing from the Holy One, and you know all things. Hmm. I'm omniscient, according to you. Or <laughs> oh goodness. Second possibility. Is that really how you're going to do your own proof text? <laughs> no, no. The the Spirit will lead you into all truth. We don't know all things. It's it says that you know all things. It, will it says I'm omniscient. And will teach you and will teach you all things and to lead you yeah, into all. So I'll be omniscient. So no, well you're not now. So don't act like you are. And that's what you. No, it says you. Do. Know trying, all you just, hold on, you were laying yeah. down that you were omniscient in that verse. You teach have you. an now anointing from back. the Holy Spirit. On, now you you're back. All things. No, no, you have. Gosh. Hey, hold on. Truth Speller, same like you're excluding on the other hand, and it's not legitimate. You can't you have an anointing upon you that will teach you all things and to lead you in all truth. You have no standard of reading comprehension. You'll take the same phrase applied well, hold on, to dude. Uh, hold on. Like, God, we, like literally and then you'll say it's omniscience without God and not omniscience according to man. Look, <laughs> Look, your God doesn't even know what's what what, what's going to happen? Listen, you don't have to be a Christian. According to you. So, like, it's ridiculous. I mean, the view that you're holding is so anti-biblical. I mean, I can, let's just keep going through verses. You know, I mean, pointed out you can't read. You can't read. You you literally don't know how to read. First okay, John 2, first, 20. You have, an you have a holy anointing one from the Holy One, and you know all things. Man's omniscient according to your reading <laughs> comprehension skills. Oh, gosh, man. You, you, are you serious? I'm serious that you don't know how to read. You assume your readings into verses rather so, than... So God is just... Hold on. Hold on, clown. So God, hold on. Let me finish. You, you I don't want any philosophy. Let's hold, talk hold about textual let, analysis. So, so, let me, so, let me, so let me get this straight. God could be up in heaven. He may not know how to fix the transmission. He may not know how to. Um, there's a lot of things God might not know how to do because you don't have to be a Christian. You know, he's just like us. He he knows all things just if like. You don't us. like the Bible. So, so you let's don't just have to limit be a Christian. God's knowledge down to this. You know, it could be just like some crack lady down the street. She knows some things. She knows how to get to Kentucky Fried Chicken and how to you know get to Seven Eleven. But she yeah, you know she doesn't don't really like the Bible, know all things. Don't she pretend just, to be a Christian. <laughs> Look, I know, I, I know that you probably get like I haven't thrown those charges on you. I know you probably get that a lot, but you're the one on the outskirts of of heretical left field. Oh, oh no! I, listen, um, you know what I care about: textual analysis and reading comprehension. Yeah, There's absolutely. Today. Yeah, absolutely. So let's keep going through verses since you're having trouble dealing with no, the ones that let's we're have about. you say. You, let's have you say. That God knows all things in First John three twenty, the exact same phrase used for man is not a proof text for your view. You're 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 reading your view into the text rather than getting your view from the text. 
the exact same phrase. You'll read differently based on who the subject is because you assume your theology are, are, are into the Bible rather than get your theology. Are you going to stop telling me what I'm going to do and actually let me? I mean, you seem to know the future yourself. It's interesting yeah, because in your view, God doesn't know the future, but you yes, seem to know, I know so the much future. about. I've hold made on, a lot of money. Hold on, hold on, dude. Hold on, dude. Why don't you've got your chance? But you seem to know so much about me and what, what I'm doing and my reading comprehension. Yeah. You seem to be very omniscient as you as you demote God's omniscient omniscience, you know, down yeah. to your own level. I've made well, 50 knows things just like we know all things. I mean, that's I mean, you got a pagan God. You don't got the God of the Bible. Only one of us is reading the Bible. It's not you, my friend. Well, did you see the text I put on the side chat? Yeah, we actually already talked hold about on, this. Hold on, clown. Let me finish before you interrupt and jump on me. Who is like me? Now you, hold on, hold on. Sit down and shut up for a second. Who is like? Who is like me? Now you say everybody's <laughs> just like God. Shut up. Who is like me? You say everyone is like God. That that everyone is just everyone knows all things. They're just like him. But who is like me? Let him proclaim and declare it. Yes, let him recount in, me in order from the time that I established the ancient nation. Let them declare to them the things that are coming and events that are going to take place. So God doesn't know things like we know things. He knows all things. The things that are going to happen, he declares the end from the beginning. That is, from the very beginning, he declares how things will end. That's why he knows how all things is because he is running reality and, and controlling it. I mean, Wrong. Oh, oh, wrong. The lot, the lot is cast into the lap, but it's every decision is from the Lord. But wrong, right? It's just some random accident, right? Yeah, Reading dance around. I mean, obviously, you don't, know dude, the context. You, don't, you don't have the God of the Bible. You, you got some pagan concept. Hey, hey listen, fam. There's a lot of things God doesn't know in your view. I mean, he definitely can't make promises. Let's talk about the text. I don't about care about your opinions. He doesn't know the future. Your opinions are dumb. Let's talk about the text. Who is Isaiah talking to? Who's his audience? Just exegete the check. Don't don't grill me. I just gave I just gave I've you. I've already talked about this. Go ahead. Let's let's hear it. Go ahead. Go I've ahead. Let's all of Isaiah. Let's You're not God. listening. Go ahead. Let's let's You're hear how everyone is like the world. The scripture <laughs> says, "Who who is like me?" Right. But you say everyone's like God because we all know all. I don't say that. Omniscient. You have zero quotes but, of me so, saying right? that. But God asked the question, who's like me? Well, you can it's just say everybody's like him, right? You are full of yourself. Ask no, questions if you want to know answers. Just deal it's with the text. Don't, no, don't, 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 don't try to grill me. Just answer no, the question. No, you're lying. You're a liar. You can't exegete it. You're, all you're doing you're is just lying. sitting there trying to turn it around. Say I said something? I didn't say it. You're a liar. You're strawmanning. Just exegete the text. Don't ask me questions. put me on trial. You're the one putting... Go ahead. Let's I do it. Started let's with it. this text because this Go is an open text. Go with the text. You just can't read. That <laughs> dude. I just read the text to you. Oh, dance dude, around. Dude. And it's open theism. Oh, dance dance it around is, with a smile on your face. Isn't, isn't answering. Isn't, isn't answering the text and asking me questions. Isn't answering the text. Okay, you know, asking me questions. You can't read. One second. You don't know Trace what the context of your proof text is, just like in First John. Well, you go can't ahead. Tell read. me. Go ahead. Give me the historical context. Tell me who he's talking yeah. to. Tell me what it's actually Isaiah saying. Isaiah is talking to 
Israel in exile in Babylon. There is a trial that's set up between Yahweh God and the false gods. And the goal of this is to convince exiled Israel that the Babylonian gods aren't the true gods, but Yahweh is. And so, who is the judges in this? It is Israel. Israel needs to judge the facts that are put before them. And Yahweh sets up a detailed case to convince him. He is trying his hardest to convince his people that he is the true God. And so his argument oh, runs like He's this. trying his hardest to convince oh, listen, them. Why? Because he, can't, he doesn't have the ability to do it. We're he's talking about the text here. Maybe, maybe if he it tries says hard it. enough, he, can, he doesn't like know me. if he can he's do it. He's saying these false gods are not like me. He's he says, real hard. He doesn't know what's going to happen. Are you going to listen? <laughs> listen, I'm exiting the text. Let him proclaim and declare it. These false gods, he says, let these guys declare what will happen. And what? how, how does those things happen? That God does it. So look at what he said. He says, declare it and set an order before me. He keeps saying over and over in this entire context, I say it and then I do it. This is not a knowledge claim. It's not, oh, I've got this oh, crystal ball knowledge of the future. Ooh, look at the facts and figures in my head. Not what's going on here. That's retarded. That wouldn't make a very good argument. He doesn't say, look at my knowledge in my head. He's trying to convince these people he's a powerful God. He can accomplish. He can do the things. And his proof is, I've said things before to you so that you know that I'm going to do those things, and then those things happen. Well, he doesn't and that's know. That's how he you know, know I'm the true God, and the false gods are not true God. He doesn't know the future. They only have exposition. No, no, he can't make those knowledge claims. No, he just Hold on, uh, Chris, one second. Hey, Odin, are you listening? But he doesn't know. He just said, I, I know that I'm going to. No, he doesn't second. know because he doesn't know the future. He can only speculate about things he doesn't know. Okay, one second, Truth. He can't read. I mean, no, I know the future. He can't read. Let me read it to you again. Since you, since yeah, you can't read the question, text, ask Chris. a question. Don't make a since, statement. Since you can't read the text, Chris, let me read it for you. Who is like me? Let him proclaim and declare. I know the future. Yes, I made 50% in three months. I'd predict it. Okay, I muted you, Truth, but just real quick. Because, Odin, would you be willing to moderate this discussion? Because I just don't want it to get out, out of hand. Uh, would you mind doing that? And Truth Speller, would you mind? And Chris, would you mind being moderated? I don't mind, but we need to go point by point. His, his you know. That's fine. Odin, Odin's in chat. He okay, can't even okay, execute the tax. He's just talking about, oh, blah, blah, blah. Okay, okay. Odin's about. moderating. Okay, let Odin take over, please. Thank you. Are, are you guys good with um, with two-minute responses? It should be long enough. Yeah, that's good. If it's shorter, just say, that's it, I'm done. Go ahead. You know, yield your time. You, you good with that, Chris? Are, are we doing a moderated debate? I don't think uh, my friend here is into actually interacting even, with other yeah, people. Yeah, I just said two minutes. I'm ready to interact, and you, no, I no, guess no, you don't no, want to be moderated. I don't think you you're want to moderate moderate to my points. Yeah, I'm, I'm willing to cooperate with uh, the standards that have, have been approved by the other two members in the room. It's fine, but you don't care about things I'm saying. You don't internalize well, them. Well, how do you know that? I mean, God doesn't even know. Because I've already talked you're, about Isaiah. And you're, you're making all Isaiah. these knowledge and claims about things you know about me. <laughs> hey guys. I, I don't know. I don't get it. Yes. You know, you, Stop in. I, I have know so much hey about me, dude. I don't hey, get it. You, God, your hey. God doesn't even know that much okay, about me. Okay, let's, let's start at let's start from scratch so here. Your, truth, put up your scripture to back up your point. And you can go. You have two minutes starting now. Oh, well, he can go first. It doesn't matter to me. 
I mean, right, I'll, I'll go first, Chris. Go ahead. <laughs> so, so what do we, we want to deal with Isaiah? It, it, it's all power claims. And so the traditional classical view of omniscience is that God inherently has all knowledge in his mind at all points of time from all of history. He doesn't gain it from outside himself. This is inherent non-generated knowledge. But when we look at how God describes how he acquires knowledge in the Bible, it's always, I look and I see uh, these cries came up to me. Uh, the Bible not only talks about what God knows, but how God knows it. It's, 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 it's pretty clear in the Bible. And you know, no, no scholar of biblical history believes that these Israelites were anything but open theists. The, the classical theism is widely recognized as Platonic in origin. And the only way that you get to this Platonic idea of omniscience is forcing it onto the text, as we have shown in 1 John 2.30, which is paralleled in 1 John 2.20. You got two phrases, exact same phrases. One is about man and one is about God. Yet the Calvinist will read both phrases in completely different ways according to what their presuppositions are. It's, it's incredibly dishonest, amazingly dishonest. It's bad to the text and uh, it does great damage to the Bible. It's, it's not a Bible-believing religion. All right, you can go. All right. Your turn, truth speller. Go. <laughs> That's ridiculous. That's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. I mean, it's like Jehovah Witness coming up saying the same. I mean, you'll just hear the same kind of rhetoric from them or Mormon that, you know, they're not true Christians or believers or whatever. He's not dealing with the text. It says he declares the end from the beginning. That is, not only does he know um, the very beginning, but the end. What is to come? The future. He says the future is open. God declares the end from the beginning. From ancient times, things that have not been done, saying my purposes will be established. I will accomplish all my good pleasure. He knows that he's going to accomplish all his good pleasure because he knows the future. Now, he can't make that claim in his view. God doesn't know the future. He can't make promises that he's not sure he can keep. Otherwise, he'd be dishonest. If a person doesn't know the future, then they can't make, they can't make future claims. They can't make promises they can't keep, that they're not sure they can't keep. We know that, he, that God is not, we know that he's, um, if he doesn't know the future, he's making promises. How do he know, how can he know he can keep them? How does he know the devil doesn't have some scheming up his sleeve or something um, that's going on that could happen in the future by which he's overcome and all his promises fall and the whole house of cards collapse because he didn't know. Um, the eyes of the Lord are in every place watching the evil and the good. He's in every place. He knows. Oh, sorry. What? 30 seconds. Oh, 30 seconds. Um, so yeah, I mean, Isaiah, you know, Isaiah, who is like me, who let him proclaim it, who let him declare it. He says, everyone's like God. They all have omniscience the way he's using first John in a very fallacious way. You know, he's saying, well, you're not a biblical Christian. Well, he's trying to say it. Who is like me? You know, the Bible says um, his ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. Uh, as the heavens are high above the earth, so your ways above my ways and my thoughts above your thoughts. But we know all things just like God, the ways you're in First John. Very foolish, very ridiculous way of handling scripture. That's time. Can I just make a, can I just make a small suggestion? So for the furtherance of the conversation and like essentially going around in circles, just ma just merely quoting scriptures. 
if you're going to bring forth a scripture to back up your argument, please, please explain the context in which that particular scripture was used to demonstrate, okay, this is what it's saying as it relates to what I'm saying. Because you both, everyone in here knows that we can literally cherry pick scripture to back up almost any point we want, right? And so I think the context in which something that is said is important. Just a small recommendation. Um, you're up next again, Chris. Your time starts now. All right, yeah, let's go through Isaiah. Isaiah is a perfect example of a proof text because not only does God uh, d explain to people how he knows what he knows, but uh, he's, he's trying to convince this people in any way he can to be loyal servants of him. He's striving with Israel, which is the story of the Bible, is uh, God striving against Israel and Israel continually rejecting him. But look throughout uh, Isaiah. Look at all these power claims. We'll, we'll start down here with Isaiah 46.10, declaring end from the beginning and from ancient times things that are not done, saying, my counsel shall stand and I will do all my pleasure. He declares it and then he does it. Isaiah 48.3, I've declared the former things from the beginning and they went forth from my mouth. I caused them to hear it and suddenly I did them and they came to pass. And this concept is repeated elsewhere in the Bible. He says, I don't do anything without first telling my prophets. Uh, yet is, is it uh, Amos? Uh, he says, I don't do anything without first telling my prophets because then you guys know that I'm actually doing these things. It's not that God does everything. It's not that God declares everything. That's not what this is about. This is about his power acts. So again and again and again, he goes forth and he says, present your case. And he's saying this to the false God. Let them bring forth and show us what will happen. Let them show the former things that were, that we may consider them and the later end of them. He said, tell us what's going to happen before it happens. And then we'll see if it happens. And then we'll know if you're powerful enough to bring that up about. He says, indeed, you are nothing and your work is nothing. These are power claims. I'm sorry? He says, seconds. present your case. Bring forth your strong reasons. He's appealing to Israel. Israel is the judge. He is trying to convince Israel that he's powerful and these false gods aren't. And he does that. It doesn't. It's not knowledge. He's not trying to impress them with knowledge. He doesn't do that in this. Instead, he talks about the things that he has done, the power acts that he has worked, in order to show them that he is, yes, the faithful God. And then he promises them something new. It's not that he declares everything from the beginning. In the text, he says, behold, I declare something new. I will lead you out of captivity. I will bless you. These are brand new things. It's not this eternal declaration from outside of God. All right, true speller, you're up. Yeah, it's just ridiculous in the light of prophecy, in the light of the scripture. I mean, he declares the end from the beginning. It's not talking about just that. It's talking about even there's prophecies about the coming of Christ and him being crucified, um, things about Judas, just prophecies that how could God know if the future's open and he don't know he doesn't know what's going to happen. Um, you know, he would say, Well, you know, he just knows what he's going to do. He would he would say, Well, God, he knows what he's God just knows what he's going to do. Well, how does God know he's going to do it if he doesn't know the futures? Again, if God doesn't know all things, there could be something that could happen in the future that he does not know that could cause him and his promises to fail. Namely, his adversary who is constantly warring against him, right? So, I mean, 
there's something that could happen in the future that God doesn't know. Satan could gain some foothold, some knowledge that God doesn't know. And, and so for God to, to make these promises about the future would be, of course, he's not going to address any of these things. He didn't even address the text in and of the, in and of itself that from the end from the beginning it's talking about from the very beginning of time um to the very end of time i mean from ancient times things that have not been done we see revelations is all about the future it's all about future events which god you know supposedly doesn't know but he i guess he's from his view well god's just going to bring these things about well how does god know he's going to bring these things about he he you know he he can't know if if there's um if he's hasn't if he can't um know the future how does he know i mean it's just it's a contradiction in and of itself say you know uh you say i'm done i'll go ahead i heard someone jump in. you know that you had 30 seconds left oh i thought you said time <laughs> yeah i mean you know a god that's that doesn't know the future but's making promises about it you know that's that's a pagan concept it's not a biblical it's not taught anywhere in the bible you know, don't be like the heathen for your God knows what you need before you ask him. So before God, we even ask, you know, God for our needs, he knows the things that we're going to ask. Um, he knows the numbers of the hairs of our head. He knows the stars that are in the sky. It's because he placed them there. Um, it's, right. He's in control of the future. That's All things right. are working for him in counsel as well. It's just, you know, and that includes the future. All right, that's time. Your turn, Chris. Yeah, I have a hundred percent success rate. I've predicted maybe a hundred things on my podcast, hundred percent success rate. So I say things that happen before they happen. Am I omniscient? Does that prove I'm omniscient? No, that's funny that in Isaiah, he tells us how he knows the things that uh, are going to happen. He says, I say it and then I do it. That's the Bible tells us how God knows things. God knows things because he does things. God knows things because he sees things. Even the proof text that you threw out earlier, the eyes of the Lord are in every place, keeping watch on the good and the evil. This is about present knowledge, observation, God getting knowledge from outside himself. Again, if you believe that God gets knowledge from outside of himself, you are not a classical theist. You are an open theist. You are an open theist if you think God gains knowledge external to himself. That is true. So Amos 3.7 is a parallel to these Isaiah texts. It says, Surely the Lord God does nothing unless he reveals his secret to his servants, the prophets. So it, it, this, this, it's, it's idiomatic, yes. It doesn't mean that God just does nothing except for every single little thing he says. But these major acts of God, these city destructions, these captivities, Babylon captivities, these things are predicted by God because God wants people to know that he is doing it. And, and it's to differentiate it from random happenstance. That's God's concern. That God's trying to communicate to people, not, not always successfully, not always successfully. And so when he says that I'm, I'm doing damage to this text, I'm the only one reading this text and taking it literally. Isaiah argues like an open theist. When the open theist argues how God knows the future, he, the open theist says God knows it because God does it. God knows it because God sees it. God knows it because it's a prophecy that he brings about. Isaiah is an open theist. He is not arguing like uh, Calvinist. He's not saying, oh, God has this inherent knowledge from time eternal. Nothing like that. It's, these are power claims. 
open theistic claims. He doesn't say God is the most perfect being, and if God wasn't able to know the future, then we would be very, oh, we'd be very scared because we, we use our emotions to determine truth. It's like, that's a moralistic fallacy. Every time you argue, argue philosophy that, oh, wouldn't this be so bad if it were true? It's not, not only low stability, it's a moralistic fallacy. And you know, the Bible, they argue like open theists. They are open theists. You are criticizing Isaiah and his understanding of how God works and operates when you criticize me. And that, that's the funny thing to me. That's the funny thing to me. I'm the one arguing like Isaiah. You're the one arguing like a Greek philosopher. You're the one rejecting the God of the Bible. All right. That's time. <laughs> that's ridiculous. You know, it's most of his arguments. He's not even giving biblical references or texts. What he did say was, you know, God knows it because he's going to do it. In other words, you, you know that the trash is going to be taken out because you're going to get ready to do it. But you don't know if you're going to have a heart attack somewhere between the front door and the trash can. So, you know, um, I know his dancing around is very distracting. I, I don't know if he's just he – he's probably not even listening. So that's why he's not addressing any of the points I'm giving. But anyways, so, um, you know, he, he's, he doesn't know if he's going to have a heart attack before he gets out to, the, to take the trash out. That's how he's – that's how he's demoting God and that God, that's how God knows things. You know, God knows what he's going to do because he knows what he, what he's going to do in the future. And just in the same way, you know, you're going to go, go take a shower in the morning. You don't even know if you're going to wake up in the morning. If God doesn't know the future, he can't make promises. Um, if he's not sure he's going to fail, he doesn't know the future. He doesn't know what's going to happen according to his, you know, very erroneous finite view of God. But, David, the prophet, gives us a different view of God in Psalms 139. He says, Lord, you have examined me. You know all about me. You know when I sit down. You know when I get up. You know my thoughts before I think them. You know where I go and where I lie down. You know everything I do. Lord, even before I say a word, you know it already. You are all around me, in front and back of me. You have put your hand on me. Your knowledge is amazing to me. It is more than I can understand. But it's not more than, than he can understand because he understands that God just knows things the way he knows them. You know, he knows he's going to, um, you know, go to bed at 10 o'clock just because he's going to do it. You know, like that's how he's, you know, bringing God down to a very, you know, like a pagan sort of God concept where he only knows things the way we know them. You know, God's knowledge really isn't that amazing. It's just like ours. But according to scripture, God knows our thoughts even before we think them. Now, how could God know that? Because that's the future. How could a God with an open theism know our thoughts before we think them? He doesn't know the future. So, I mean, there's just a lot of just, you know, um, I mean, I can go from scripture after scripture that he's not going to address. He's probably, again, not listening to him. Um, you know, too busy gyrating. Time. Go ahead. What? So, quick question: um, Is it possible? Is it possible? Can Can you guys pick one particular like what? So this time around, can you guys pick one particular scripture or two scriptures that you think support strongly support your point, and then we'll do one round of discussion on those scriptures, right? And then Truth will select the script two scriptures that supports his point the most and we'll discuss that is that okay so one are round, you trying to go for a little verse snippets or are you looking for a passage a discussion of a passage? Um, 
Yeah, it, it, it will be more of a dis, like a brief discussion of passage because the thing is, is that yeah, I kind of like noticed see, that. I'd like so, to see one passage gone over and then rebutted the, the view of that passage. You know, yeah, rebutted exactly. Then, That's uh, all I wanted to see, too, from the very beginning of this, and I haven't seen it yet. I mean, even Irenix on the okay. side asking Chris, please, begging him, Chris, please, please make a point. Please stay on topic. Please you know, make sure you address the point, please, Chris. How, okay. Uh, so that really wasn't my. Uh, that wasn't. Well, I know, but that's what you wrote. I, but that's what you wrote, nonetheless. No, I, I, I mean, I heard his answer before, but you didn't seem to understand it. That's what. What? Well, what's that? Answer to what? Well, you asked this, that question basically. How? How could God know? Uh, you know that something won't basically interfere with His plans. You know, uh, to do something in the future. You know, if He doesn't know. Well, no, he didn't give no answer. He doesn't. He can't give an answer to that. I gave the Isaiah no, answer. He doesn't know either. I gave he, Isaiah. Omniscience now, you know, like himself. Well, well, hold on, I don't. You know, I'm just saying. I thought I heard an answer. I guess you didn't, True Spiller. I was just saying that's why I made the comment. Can you please make it? You know, spell it out clearly. So, uh, True well, I mean, someone can say. Someone can say. Um, how do you get to Seven uh, Eleven? You know, there's someone I could ask them, how do you get to 7-Eleven? They could say cheeseburgers. Well, that's not an answer. Just because someone verbalized some, that that's not an answer. Just because they utter the answers utter in it. the context. I, mean, I want I want him to actually address the passage. You know, actually exegete it in a way that actually okay, makes so, sense. Like, all right, so okay, let's pick so a passage. Chris, I think collect that's two what passages was, that support. I think that, was saying. Yeah, go ahead. That supports your um your point. Two passages, and and, and we'll do one round of discussion on those right and then after we do a round of discussion on your, the passages that you select we'll 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 deal with the ones that um truth speller selects right so two rounds on two sets of passages Is, you good with that two rounds and two rebuttals yes, two minutes on mm -hmm. Yeah, we could do that. Okay, you need any time to select any particular you're passage? Breaking up a little, you're breaking up a little bit. Me? Uh, is it on my end, maybe? Go ahead. Sorry. Going out yeah. All right. All right. So what two passages are you going to be using? Well, let's. we could talk about Exodus 32. That's, that's a pretty good passage. We could okay. talk also about Genesis 6 if we want to. Okay, so Exodus, let me see. Can you post them in the side chat? Yeah, I could do that. Yeah, put them in the side chat so um, Truth Speller can read them and, um, you know. All right, guys, got that okay. in the side chat. Yeah. So for the sake, um, for the sake of kind of giving you guys time, fleshing out um, the reason why you chose those passages, I'm gonna add 30 seconds to your time. Okay. All right. <clears throat> Let's uh, discuss Exodus 32. It's it's an interesting right. passage. Oh, I'm sorry. All right. All right. Go ahead. Start now. All right. So. The situation is that we're on Mount Sinai and Israel's rebelled and Moses is up talking to Yahweh and Yahweh looks down 
and uh, sees that the people who he led out of Egypt uh, has rebelled against him. And he says, go down, go for your people. He says, it's your people. He changes it on Moses, whom you brought out of the land of Egypt and have corrupted themselves. He's saying, your people have corrupted yourself. Uh, Moses turns it around pretty quickly here. Um, he says, uh, the Lord said, I have seen this people and it is indeed a stiff-necked people. Remember vision. God, God acquires knowledge through sources outside of himself. Now, therefore, let me alone that my wrath may be burn hot against them, that I may consume them, and I will make of you a great nation. And so he says, I have this promise to Abraham. I have an alternative way to fulfill it. I have an alternative way to fulfill my promise to Abraham. I could do it through you, Moses, because I'm an innovative God, and I, I'm not a slave to my word where I have to go exactly through this people. But what, what does Moses counter with? He, he actually starts a cascading list of reasons why uh, God should not destroy Israel. One of them is, of course, that they are the, his people, uh, exactly what uh, he's trying to give up. And uh, he says, Israel's God's people. He says, God extended great power to lead his people out of Egypt. He said, if God were to destroy Israel, the Egyptians would think of God poorly. He says that Israel is the offspring of notable individuals to whom God has made promises. And he says that a promise was specifically an internal heritage. So after this cascading list of reasons uh, that were, were thrown out here, um, then it says that God repented of what he said he would do. So God is burning in anger and Moses subverts him. This is, this is the plain reading of the text. So number one, uh, God's being convinced through argumentation. Uh, these are arguments that God is now considering, which turns him away from his wrath. This is Moses being the agent that is turning God from his wrath. Okay, you got yeah, go ahead. seconds going. All right. Yeah, go, go ahead, ahead. Spell. Yeah, I'm having some trouble breaking. I don't know. Can you guys hear me all right? Yeah, we can hear you. He posted the he posted um, the the specific um, scriptures that he was that he's using um, to make his point in the side chat. Um, so you can you know look through yeah, those. When I see the scriptures, but I don't know the presupposition he's laying on top of it because I can't. For some reason, it was breaking up a little bit. I can hear a little bit now. Um, but you know it's. Again, I, I don't even know where to begin. Well, I know where to begin. I just, it's just once I begin, I almost can't stop. I mean, you know, the Bible makes claims like there's none righteous, no, not one. Um, Jesus said, no one's good but God alone. But if God doesn't know all things, He doesn't know the future, how can He, you know, how can God make those kind of claims that, you know, eventually there could be someone that come along that actually is good? God just didn't know the future. He didn't know that that would come along and would ultimately happen. I mean, Jesus said when in his, you know, carnate, when he was incarnated, he said, nobody knows the father or nobody knows um, the day or the hour except the father. But, you know, in the first John, the way he was fallaciously using that, well, we know all things just as the father knows all things, you know, like <laughs> just, you know, very simplistic things like that, that, you know, just um, what I think it is, is a demotion to, of the character of God, ultimately his omniscience, what he knows why he knows it because he's all powerful and he's working all things that's everything for in council as well i'm assuming he's like probably an armenian type so when he uses the word all he'll say that means every single person 
But now when all of a sudden, when I use the word all, it doesn't mean all in that, in the way that, you know, he would use it, you know, in, in other texts. Um, so I'm looking at the, the scripture here and I guess, uh, typical ones that open theist user Genesis. Um, like I said, I don't really know the presupposition he's laying on top of this. You know, it, it, he says that, you know, we come with the, you know, idea of this presupposition that God knows all things. Well, he it teaches he knows all things. I mean, it's, it's not a presupposition. The Bible shows us over and over and over. It's him that's coming and laying his presupposition on top of it and saying, well, because God relented, he didn't know. I mean, look at all the things that Jesus came and suffered in this world. Did he not know those were going to happen? And yet he decided to go through those things. See, he has the presupposition that God wouldn't want to put himself in a position where he wants to, you know, feel some sorrow about what he created or this and that. See, it's he believes God feels sorry, sorrow about it because God just didn't know, you know, what the future held. And when it happened, he was just felt bad about it. it that's his presupposition, not that God might actually put himself um, you know, create a creation by which he has those feelings and those emotions. Um, and then throwing out the sovereignty and the omniscience of God to do this, you know, it's just. All right. That's uh, time. Um, and, and, and to be fair, um, the point that he was trying to make um, or, or, or the, the verse specifically that he was using was Exodus 32, 14. Um, it's basically talking about when God relented against the Israelites and uh, Moses was pleading to pleading to God um, in order to change his mind, and God did change his mind. Um, I didn't want to interrupt you because I know um, you had your time, but that's that's the the quick explanation of um, what Christopher was um, trying to put out. It's your time now, Christopher. Um, whenever you're ready. All right. Uh, he, he didn't deal with the text. He didn't cover the text. He didn't talk about the text. And so, True Speller, question for you. In Exodus 32, does God change his mind? Exodus, no? 30, Exodus, Exodus 32? Yeah, does God change his mind? I believe that's the passage that says he changed his mind. As a, yeah. Does Moses change his mind? Right. Does Moses change his mind? Yeah, absolutely. Right. So God's mind isn't eternally settled. God so God's mind is just like Moses is what you're saying. I mean, no, I'm asking you text. I'm just talking to reading comprehension. Yes, exactly. I mean, you're just like, I mean, you're just making God as though, you know, he's just like us. I'm not. I'm reading the knowledge. It really isn't that amazing. He just knows things because he's going to do them. That's he's just like us. He just knows things because he's going to do them. That's, it doesn't matter what, what I believe. It matters what the writer of Exodus believes. Did the writer of Exodus believe that God changed his mind? Yeah, but you're presupposing that God is not going to want to do that. That this isn't God's intention to create a story by which, you know, the ark is a shadow of Christ. The Peter tells us that that the that the ark is a as a shadow and archetype of Christ to come. So God knew what he was going to do in the future through Christ and everything he did on the ark, everything he did with the ark and everything was something that God planned and foreordained to be a shadow and archetype for things to come that had to do with Christ. 
So, I mean, the idea, well, God relented, like he didn't know what he was going to do. The lamb was slain before the foundation of the world. God had a redemptive plan to do through Jesus Christ, things that were going to take place in the future. That, of course, you're going to say, well, God just, he knew that because he knew what he was going to do. Well, how does he know what he's going to do in the future? He can't ultimately make the kind of claims that you're saying he can make because a God that doesn't know the future doesn't know ultimately if, it, if he can be throttled in some particular way. In Exodus 32, what is the reason that God changes his <laughs> mind? I mean, he's just not going to deal with anything. I, he's not going to deal with the implications of the things that he says. He's just going to keep going back and right. You know, if you attack the Bible, you're not attacking me. You're attacking, attacking the Bible. The Bible. You're attacking the, the Bible, Bible and the character and the omniscience of God. You're 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 bringing him down to a man. I'm reading in Exodus 32. His what is the reason God changes his, his mind? Thoughts are not our thoughts, but somehow his thoughts are just like us. He knows what he's going to do. Just be, he knows the future because he knows what he's going to do. It's a question. Just like you know, you're going to brush your teeth at night. Again, you don't know if you're going to slip and break your neck on the way to the sink. So Exodus the same 32, way, God doesn't know the future. He doesn't know if he's going to be throttled. He can't make plans and promises that he doesn't know he can keep. Can't keep. He doesn't know the future. He just can't make those kind of promises. All right. I have a question. I have a question. I hate to butt in, but you guys are going back I need, and forth. I need an answer. I know. I do need my, an answer. My question would be, you said it doesn't matter, sir, what you think. It matters what the author of Exodus thinks. Why? Why should I care what the author of Exodus says? Because this is a debate about the Bible. And so if you don't care about the Bible, you know, do what you want. So we're just debating the Bible. We're not debating whether the Bible is something that we should legitimately believe. Yeah. It's kind of like debating a Harry Potter book of what the Harry Potter book says. Right now. Well, first. Okay. First okay. That's fine. What that's fine. So in Exodus 32, in the text, what is the reason God changes his mind? Why don't you just say, say what the reason is instead of asking it 10 times to move the conversation? Because it's a there, trap. He doesn't have, believe the text. They're having a conversation, and so he wants to know True Speller's thoughts on why God changed his mind. This is actually kind of a moderated discussion because they were over talking, so it was kind of between these two. But uh, yeah, this is I, a back and forth. So yeah, in Exodus 32, Moses argues to God. He gives a cascading list of reasons why God should not destroy Israel, and then God changes his mind. In Exodus 32, what is the reason that God changed his mind? You know, it's the same thing that happened in the Garden of Eden. It's like, you know, just because God asked him, you know, who, you know, who told you were naked, it didn't mean he didn't know. That's the kind of conclusions that he's going to come up to with with his open theism. Not me. I mean, the Bible. Yeah, well, that's exactly the way you're using that same verse. I think that, that you're avoids... Using that, you're using that verse in the same way that you would... That's exactly... If you were going to apply the same exegesis, you'd have to do it with that verse the very same way. I'll accept God that answer. Asked them, asked them, you know, who told you were naked because they simply, because God simply didn't know. I'll, I'll accept like that answer. Question. All right. Um, Irenic, go ahead and ask your question. Okay. So this is just me, and I'm not trying to pile on True Speller, but, you know, Chris asked a question about, a, you know, it seems like it was a question that all you have to do is go to the text and answer the question. It seems like True Speller I, is avoiding saying the words that the text says because 
he won't know how to explain those no, words. No, I'm absolutely not. So okay, he's so, so, so what text so what text would you use to answer that question? Like any scripture comes to mind? Well, I just, okay. So he said that the text might be just God kind of like mimicking, like like God actually knows what's going to happen. He has all this in his mind. He's not really convinced by these arguments, but Ezekiel doesn't think oh, so. God. And so <laughs> oh, you, you turn to Ezekiel. Ezekiel He's just another person, isn't he? He's just another dude. Really? <laughs> Ezekiel 28, but they rebelled against me and would not all obey me. They did not all cast away the abominations which were before me in their eyes. They did not forsake the idols of Egypt. Then I said, I will pour out my fear on them, and I will fulfill my anger against them in the midst of the land of Egypt. But I acted for my own name's sake, that I should not be profaned among the Gentiles whom they were, in whose sight I had made myself known to them to bring them out of the land of Israel. He acted for this argument. This is one of Moses' arguments, that if you kill all of Israel, you would look really bad to the Egyptians. And, and so and, and God learned that from Moses. He didn't know that till Moses told him. It's a, yeah, a God so. that doesn't know all things needs needs to be informed. Ezekiel he needed so. Moses so, to inform him, and he thought about it a little bit and said, "Yeah, Moses is a little bit. Yeah, he's on to something. I didn't. You think don't about. have to agree with Ezekiel. You know, I don't know all things. I don't know the future. So I'm glad I got Moses but here to kind of guide, guide and lead me. I mean, this is the kind of God that you have. You I mean, don't have to believe the Bible. I'm, I'm not telling you <laughs> yeah, you have know, to believe you the Bible. Yeah, you can simply just not even. Right. I mean, there's so only there's one of us reading the Bible. Like I said, that same fallacious reasoning you would do with the Garden of Eden. You know, Did Moses you God. God doesn't know. He's got to go and ask questions to be informed. True spelling. True spelling. True spelling. True spelling. Right. Chris, 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 it sounds Chris, like, to hold, me hold like on you're, what you're doing is you're you're all you're doing is you're assuming your side and, you know, and complaining that, you know, Chris is, uh, you know, I, uh, interpretations here don't match what you've already assumed. So you haven't demonstrated what you're assuming. You just, uh, you've assumed it and said his view's silly based on your assumption. I'd like to see you demonstrate, you know, that your view is true. That's all. Opportunity to do that, right? So One last question. True. Did Moses convince God with an argument about a PR situation? Um, see, see, do you see? Do you guys see the conclusion he's saying? He convinced God. He was yeah. smarter than God. He had more knowledge than God about something and some information. No, it's not that he was so smarter than God. God. And God then said, "Hey, you know, Moses, God's he's on to something here." He's just, no, it looks like you know, God was going to destroy I'll Moses. I'm glad Moses said, "Hey, that make you look bad." Oh, and then hold on. God changed hold on. his mind. I'll accept the answer. In you Psalms, guys are piling on right now. Give, give him a second. Okay. It's Psalms 106, that. 23. That's also recounting this incident. It says, therefore, he said that he would destroy them. Had not Moses, his chosen wood, stood before him in the breach to turn away his wrath, lest he destroy them. And so what we have here is a very clear reading of Exodus 32. That at the face value, we all understand. But one individual in this conversation doesn't want to agree that the arguments were persuasive and doesn't want to agree that Moses was no, persuasive. I, I, no, but, see, the author, but the see. author of Psalms didn't believe in that. The author of Psalms read it normally. Ezekiel read it normally. And we're reading it normally. There's only one person in this okay. conversation yeah, that, that cares about no, the text. No, right? it's, it, 
crucified. No, there's only one person that cares about the sovereignty and omniscience of God, that he works all things according to the counsel of his will. This here is, is in one way speaking about Jesus, the Psalms verse that you're putting. Therefore, he said that he would destroy them, and he, Moses, the, cho the his chosen one, stood before him in the breach to turn away his wrath, lest they destroy them. That's what Jesus Christ did. That's, that's why God, hold on. That's why I said that everything God works in reality, according to counsel of his will, is a shadow and archetype of things to come, which God knows he's going to bring about. Now, my God knows he's going to bring things about because, and I'll tell you what, I, I got to look for it. Like I said, I don't think you're listening when you're dancing around, just kind of, you know, and it's hard. And I'm it's listening. No, he's, he, he's listening. But truth, give us one or two scriptures, give us a context. And just explain it. You got like three minutes. I kind of don't get what you guys are missing. I think what Christopher posted, just sitting here listening, demonstrates actually what the guy's saying that Moses changed, that, you know, God does change his mind, and that Moses, in the example he, he just texted off the side here, demonstrates that God's mind was changed by Moses. I don't see why that's so hard to get from the things Christopher himself is posting. I mean, I, I, I me personally, right, I already came to that. That didn't need pointed out to me, right? I'm not, me and Irenic aren't the ones who are debating Chris on it or having an issue with it. It's truth. And so what I would like truth to do, right, it, it, instead of just kind of, just talking, just give us a scripture, give us some context of the scripture and explain it. And then they can do a back and forth. Well, absolutely. I mean, you have to rightly divide it with other scriptures. I mean, all the other scriptures that I gave them about God knowing all things, including future events, because God declares the end from the beginning, all things working according to the counsel of his will. That would include that's what's happening there. All things working according to the counsel of his will. Even the fact that um, there's a situation that takes place by which um, Moses stands in the breach, something God ordained to happen. See, this is what happens when you don't believe that God works all things according to counsel of his will. You don't rightly divide what Ephesians you know, tells us in the New Testament about how things work in the Old Testament. The things I mean, always I mean, work. I get, that. I get what you're trying to say, right? But my thing is, is that like... If it's a situation where you, because he he posted what five pieces of scripture all aligning with the point that he's trying to make, right? But and it's so yeah. what I would like, you know, what I suggest is that you give us at least two that points to the to to the point that you're trying to yeah, make. Yeah, I if you did. I did. I guess it just asked, got. Yeah, I. Isn't what he posted? I, I did already, but I guess, you know, like these are how scriptures are. You hear them real quick and then you miss them. But I declare the end from the beginning from ancient times, things that have not been done, saying my purposes will be established. I will accomplish all my good pleasure. That okay. was for Moses. Moses did exactly what God wanted him to do. Go, Moses stood in the breach. Moses did, did something that God wanted him to do. See, I mean, he, the, the things that are written in the Bible are for our example. That's what the Bible says. The things that happened in previous time are for our example. Things. Um, and so, I mean, like I said, it's showing there uh, what Jesus Christ is going to do in the future. It says it right there. The chosen one stood before him in the breach, turned away his wrath, at least he would destroy them. 
See, God is making a promise about the future in Jesus Christ. He does this in a lot of the Psalms, predicting about Christ and his coming and things like this, his crucifixion. Um, one minute, is that what you're saying? <laughs> um, but see, in his view, God can't make those promises because God doesn't know the future. If God doesn't know the future, he, he, you, you just simply can't make promises about things you don't know that could come in and throt your schemes, throt your plans. See what he's ultimately saying, and if you guys are agreeing with him, what you're saying is that Moses came in, informed God about some better intuition, some better knowledge, some better guidance. This is this is a better thing to do, God, uh, than you know than uh, what you plan on doing here. Let me show you, rather than God working through him. What's the Bible says? You know, for it is God who wills and works in you according to His good pleasure. It was God willing and working in Moses according to His good pleasure to carry out. His goodwill, according to the counsel of His will, working all things. Um, you know, many are the plans of a man's heart, but the Lord directs the steps. That that includes Moses. He directed his steps that he would stand in the breach. Um, oh Lord, I know the people's lives are not their own, nor is it in them to direct their steps, says Jeremiah. Oh Lord, I know the people's lives are not their own, nor is it in them to direct their steps. If Moses was directed in the direction he went, it was because God directed him. His life wasn't his own. His thoughts aren't even his own. God, if he, it's the idea that he Moses is having thoughts outside of God's knowledge. Like, oh, you know, well, the Bible says God kn knows our thoughts. He knows the thoughts of our hearts. Um, Hear, O Israel, I know the thoughts of your heart. So if God knows the thoughts of our hearts, knows the thoughts of Moses' heart, why does he have to wait till Moses gives a ver verbal, audible thing to say, hey, God, this is what you need to do before he knows he needs to do it? All right, that's time. Um, now we can go into the back and forth. Um, Chris, you're up. All right. Uh, there, there wasn't very much scripture. We've already talked about Isaiah. Yeah, he's not going to do what I said. <laughs> this is how it is. Go ahead. Yeah, um, it's called emoting. Um, when you believe something because of implications, that's called the moralistic fallacy. It's not rational thinking. And so we could talk about textual analysis, and that's what I like to do. I don't care about emoting. I don't care about your philosophy. Uninteresting to me. Well, I like textual analysis. I mean, you know, that you're just bringing your philosophy into it, and you're emoting yourself. I mean, I'm reading. No, it's I'm, not reading. I'm reading. I'm reading. Yeah, but you, you got to interpret too. You can't just read. You actually have to interpret it. Right. And yeah, rightly and so how do... script. You have to rightly divide the scripture with scripture. I so mean, here's a quote about you, you, like I said, you're not addressing. Would you address this? If, if God knows the thoughts of our heart, oh, Israel, know this. I know the thoughts of your heart. How come he's waiting for yeah, Moses? The to come give the, hold on. How come he's waiting for Moses to come give some verbal explanation to him before he knows what to do? He already right, knows. According, hold on. If we rightly divide it, he knows our thoughts before we think them. I gave you that verse. See, I've given you plenty of verses you haven't dealt with. He knows our thoughts before I th we thank them. He knows Moses' thoughts before he thanks them, but yet he waited for Moses to come give him a verbal cue. Wow. I mean, that's, this him, is the ridiculous. Him, this is the ridiculous. That. You ask him a question, let him address it. Yeah, well, I'll see if he does, but without insulting me, he probably can't. He's going to do some ridiculous try, try thing. Not to, try not to insult him, Chris. <laughs> so, so how does language work? Uh, the Prince of Tears is, is said to know all the secrets of man. And so the Prince of Tears is a human. We understand that language sometimes could be used as generalities, as hyperboles. 
And so um, we have to be very careful when we try to take some uh, a small phrase, pull it out of context, and then then assign massive metaphysics onto it. So we could take a look at we could take a look at we could take a look at. I got it. Got it. Got a mute. We could take a look at Psalms 139 because this is about God knowing the thoughts of King David. Now, this is not a generally exportable psalm. It's about a personal relationship with King David, who is a man after God's own heart and God. He says that you have searched me and known me. So the mechanism for God's knowledge is actually described in the verse. He searches to know. And that Psalm 139 actually ends with that too. He says, <laughs> search me, O God. And know my heart. Try after, me. After he just said it was poetic. After he just said it was poetic renderings. Now he's going to take it literal, right? Now you're taking it literal. You want me to take it literal after you just said it was poetic? We have to understand well, language. No, I'm, I'm, no. Yeah, well, exactly. How does exactly language work? How does language yeah, work? how does language so you, work? Especially in the book of Psalms where we got poetic language and now you're trying to say You, you quoted the book of Psalms. Okay, you have to look at the concepts that King David exactly, is putting forth. Exactly, exactly. He's, 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 he's talking about a personal relationship between him and God, not him and uh, you. He's talking about him and God and their personal relationship and how God is so intricately involved in his life that he puts a hedge around him. He tests him, he knows him. He knows him so well, he knows what he's going to say before he says it. Again, not generally exportable to all mankind. The psalm ends with, search me and know me, O God, and try my anxieties. See if there's any wicked way in me. Throughout the Bible, you do a search on the word test. God tests people to know what's in their heart. The mechanism is there. God tests in order to know. He gets knowledge from outside of himself. Again, if this knowledge is getting from sources outside of God, um, then you're not a classical theist. You don't believe that God has unoriginated knowledge of all things. The Bible describes how God knows what he knows. He, God tests to know. God does to know. God sees to know. What is God's truth? Yeah, he knows all things because he's ordained all things to happen. I mean, again, he's not dealing with any things I've said about God or the text I've given. Uh, I'll give another one. I will give thanks to you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Uh, your works, my soul knows them very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the depths of the earth. What does John I, Calvin say about that? I'm not finished. Your eyes have not seen my unformed substance, and I'm not a Calvinist. And in your book were all the days written for ordained for me before there was yet one of them. So he's he's making like, well, you know, look, it says right here that all our days were were written before any of them came to pass. That would include Moses. That would include everybody. That I mean, he's he's going to just you know, I mean. Isn't God the one that brought us together in our mother's womb? Isn't he the one that fearfully and wonderfully made us? Isn't he the one that has written all the days of our life that are ordained for us before there's yet one of them? All the days? But see, if God ordained all the days of Moses' life, how could he know the future? He's, at, he's waiting on Moses to give him insight. Again, he's not addressing any of that. That I mean, there's plenty of clear scriptures that... Nothing is hidden from his sight. All things are naked and open to the eyes of him whom we must give an account. Uh, no creature is hidden from his sight. That would include our hearts. God knows all the hearts. He's saying, well, it's just figuratory. It's only some people, not everybody. I mean, you know, like he doesn't know Moses' heart. He doesn't know the things that Mo he doesn't know. You know, Moses' life isn't ordained for him before, you know, it happens. It's just for particular people. It's just, you know, um, when you do the Bible like that, 
and you don't like I said, I, I would wish you would just handle some of the things I'm saying, some of the text in a way that is um you know, sort of honest. I mean, um you guys mind if I comment on it? So here's my here's the situation, right? So far, Chris Chris has laid out all the text that addresses um, the points that he's trying to make. Now, in my opinion, he's addressed your text um, in the sense in the sense that he's talking about how God gains knowledge, or at least experiential knowledge. Yeah, Moses right? knew, Moses and knew so, more than God at one point, and and then informed God on what he should do. You know. See that? See that's see how he demos God. That Moses at one point knows a better, better way to go, better things to do, better, better uh, guidance than what God knows, and Moses informs God. You see how ridiculous? I mean, do you guys hold that view? Do you really hold that view? I mean, in light of the rest of Scripture, which I'll keep giving you. I mean, I'll keep showing you that God knows our hearts. Uh, um, go ahead. Um. So. Well, I'm just asking, do you guys really hold the view that Moses um, Moses yeah, knew something you know, that God I, didn't and then informed God on that knowledge? And then by that knowledge that Moses had, God gained knowledge and then decided to do something that he didn't know to do before? Yes or no? I think God, I think God experiences things. So I think when it's extracted down and you guys hear it like that, you'll never say yes or no. You don't want to answer. Well, yes. I just no, said yes. More. Yeah, so you, you're saying yes? Yeah. Yeah. So you just said yes, that Moses knew more than God, had more knowledge, had better guidance, had better direction of where to go, that Moses gave God insightful knowledge. That's the straw man. No, that's exactly that's exactly the implications extracted down. No, if my no. kid knows one, if and yet, my kid knows and yet it says, do not be like that. Your father knows what you need before you ask him. So, so that includes. So this the is question? what Jesus is relaying about the father. That the father knows what we need before we ask him. So before Moses said anything, and before Moses even thought anything, according to the scripture, that you know my thoughts before I thank them. I gave you that verse. But you're, you guys are given the implications, again, that Moses came along, gave God some information he just didn't know about, and it enlightened God, and he... No, but even if... Do you see the demotion pegging God that you guys are now no, showing you, Even if it's not new information from God's perspective, the thing that you seem to be ignoring is the fact that Moses changed God's mind. Well, okay, you know what? You know what's what's interesting, uh, Odin, is when I clearly give you text like this is obscure text for you. I know it is, and it's obscure text for a lot of people. But when I give you a clear text like "No man can come to me unless the Father sent me draws him," you don't sit there and say, "Yeah, that's what it says. No man can come." You'll sit there and argue the point like that on a very clear text. You come over here to obscure text and be like, "Well, it says." Now I'm asking you, and I and and you just said yes. You believe that God didn't know something, um, didn't have some prior knowledge. No, I would like okay. a turn, please. No, the, 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 answer, the, the question that I was answering. That's not God. That's just another person. That's just another person that you got that has a little bit more power. No, the question that I was answering, right? Because I said it out clear multiple times in, in these hangouts that I believe that God experiences things, right? I th I think you have experiential knowledge, right? And then you have uh, what I call, I call it just 
general temporal knowledge, like possible futures, right? So that right there, even if, even if, because we'll grant that, yes, God knows all of the stuff, right? Even if you grant all that stuff, you still run into the issue of God changing his mind about something he was going to do. So the question is, how do you explain that? Because even if, because I said, grant all the knowledge, right? God knew that Moses was going to plead with him and all of that stuff, right? But God said he was going to, he was going to do something and Moses pleaded with him, right? And then he changed his mind. So, so can I talk about two of the texts real quick that he throws out? Right, go ahead. You... All right. All right. So he quotes these texts. <clears throat> he tends to not know the context of his own proof texts. So he he's throws out that uh, that God knows us and makes intercession for us, knows what we need before we need it. That's coming from Romans eight. Or right. and at uh, that no, exactly actually coming from. Go ahead. But it was coming okay. from. Yeah. Five. It, it it describes how how God knows. He who knows searches the hearts, knows what the mind of the spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. So the, the Bible describes how God knows what he knows. And that's, that's, that's frequently missed, the context of these statements. And so back to Psalms 139, when he's talking about all my days are known, that's not a correct translation. And John Calvin, even though I'm not a Calvinist, you're not a Calvinist either, he's actually, he actually knows Hebrew. And he writes this, some read Yaman in the nominative case, when days were made, in the sense being according to them, all my bones were written in thy book, O God, from the beginning of the world, when the days were first formed by thee. The other is the more natural meaning, that is, that different parts of the human body are formed in succession of time, for in the first germ there is no arrangement of parts or proportion of members, but it is developed and it takes a particular form progressively. So it's not about days. It's about our bones being formed. It's about fetology. It's a mistranslation by Calvinist translators. And John Calvin himself admits it. He admits it. So your proof texts don't mean what you claim that they mean. And you, you always forget the mechanism. How? How? You skip that part. Truthfully, yeah, no, I mean, he just keeps saying things like, well, you, you're not making, you know, you're not uh, following, you know, not making sense. Well, he's not, again, he's not addressing anything I said. He's not rightly dividing the word of truth. I mean, the scripture tells us who has directed the spirit of the Lord or who has been his counselor and informed him, Isaiah 40, verse 13. But, well, wait a minute, Moses did. There's your answer. Moses has been his counselor. But yet we can see from this text as we get into it that that's um, not what it's relaying. Um, who has directed the Spirit of the Lord? Who has been his counselor and formed him? With whom did he consult and whom did he get, who gave him understanding? And who taught him in the path of justice and taught him knowledge and informed him in the way of understanding? Behold, the nations are like a drop in the bucket and are regarded as a speck in the dust of the scales. Behold, he lifts up on the islands like a fine dust. So, I mean, and all these answers to these questions, you know, about who has informed God, who's consulted him, who's taught him knowledge. Well, we can just simply say everybody does. Why? Because God doesn't know the future and everything 
that, you know, that happens within our own lives. We can be instructing God and informing him just the way Moses did. See, again, if you guys are holding this position that, um, that God came along and asked Moses, hey, Moses, you know, you know, or doesn't know what to do, didn't even really know. Moses showed up and said, hey, this, God, this is what I think you should do. Here's some better guidance. Here's some better knowledge. This is what you should do. And you believe that that's what enlightened God? You believe that somebody enlightened God? I don't know what to tell you at this point. I mean, you, you don't have God. You don't have God anymore. You just have a person who is limited in their understanding and has more power than you. It's, it's moralistic. Are you saying that, well, you saying that God does not experience things? No, I, that's what I, that's my point about the whole text that he used is that his presupposition is that God doesn't that all this happened because God didn't doesn't know. My I say that God does choose to do these things and experience these things, just like the incarnation of Christ and the suffering and and things. He knew what he was going to suffer before he he was with the Father before the foundation of the world. You know, the glory that I had with you before the foundation of the world, you know, that, um, you know, he knew those, uh, what he was going to do in time because he was going to work reality the way he wanted to work it. I mean, he acts like, you know, like explosion happened, things are going on. God's like, well, you know, I don't know what's going to happen, but I hope it works out the way I am saying it is. Hopefully the promises that I say will actually um, come to pass. Now, I don't know if they will because I don't know the future. It's open. So, you know, um, I know just like, you know, I know I'm going to brush my teeth. You know, I mean, that's that's how right. he's equating God's knowledge. That, that's, that's the whole thing he just said. That's his whole reasoning is that's why God knows the future in the same way that, you know, you're going to go brush your teeth at night. That's okay. not knowing the future. That's just guessing what you're going to do and hoping that it comes to pass you know, in the process of time. But if you don't know the future, you really don't know if that's going to happen. Something can come in your and stop that. A gunman can break in your house, blow your head off, and you're not going to brush your teeth tonight. If, if, God, God, has the future, he, if God doesn't know the future, he, he could be throttled. Why? Because he simply doesn't know what's going to happen. If God has all information in his head at all points of history, why in your proof text does he measure the waters and measure the heaven? And calculate so he's not, the dust he's on earth. Not, you're not going to dress. You're not going to dress the things I say. I've been pointing this out all night, but you're not. You're emoting. This. You're like, wow, wow, wow. If if your no, view is not true, emoting. it's just like bad things that's would why happen. I go point by point. So you're back sad. on a rope. You've oh, been back on the rope the whole night. You won't dress nights crying. Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we are going to cut off there because a new guy joins the conversation and then a lot of arguments have to be repeated. And there's not really anything new that gets added to the conversation after that. But that's who these Calvinists are. They don't care about the text of the Bible. They don't care about looking at their proof text. They don't care about reading their proof text. Whereas I wanted to talk about Isaiah, the context of Isaiah, the type of argumentation being used, to whom was it given, and what was the purpose. He didn't want any of that. He just wanted to read a small phrase and then pretend his theology. And we really get that in the First John example, First John 3.20 versus First John 2.20. They only get their views from the Bible by presupposing their views into the Bible. They're not biblical scholars. They're cultists. And you can see that in their use of retort. He wants to think in feelings. He wants to think in emotions. He wants to argue by analogy. He wants to argue by implication, the moralistic fallacy. They're not rational people. All right. Uh, leave a comment. Start a thread. And God is open. Thank you for listening.